Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, yeah. already know what time it is. It's that official time. When we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes It's the mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really couldn't have devoured him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change brains. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Turn it up, You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam Show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. Episode 215, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Pancakes and Power Slam Show. I am Chris Featherstone, your host, as always. Follow us at Crave Wrestling. I am here with the greatest general manager on the planet Earth. He may He's a humble guy. He may not say it, but I'm going to say it for him. It is the Mac Militant, no, none other than the one, the only, Teddy Long. How are you tonight, sir? Hey, I'm very good, man. How you doing, man? And the uh, first thing I want to say is thank you very much, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on your show. Oh, it's a, it's always a pleasure, man. I, I've been wanting to, I've, I've been doing this for four years now, and uh, you know, 215 episodes, and uh, you were one of the people who I always wanted on the show, man, because I always uh, I honored your your journey uh, from you know being uh, an errand boy and a, and a, on the ring crew to having one of the most prominent positions in the WWE, man. It's a, it's a great journey. It's a very appreciated journey that you've, that you've been through. 
Right. Well, thank you very much, man. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, congratulate myself on my journey too. You know, it was a long one. It was a lot of struggles on the way up. Uh, but with me and uh, good Lord on my side, we was able to accomplish that, uh, live my dream, and uh, was able to make it there to the top in professional wrestling. And that's just a blessing. And I thank all the fans that uh, supported me and uh, you know watched me on TV for all those years I was on in the NWA. contribute helping you climb up the ladder in the wrestling business is there a few names that uh, really helped you ascend to those positions from ring crew to referee to you know manager people who really helped you in that climb well the first person uh, was God let's put him number one absolutely and uh, that and the second person that the guy that gave me my first job and uh, God rest his soul and it was Dusty Rhodes Mm-hmm. Uh, he gave me the first job. He hired me as a referee. Uh, before I got the, that position, uh, uh, well, before I started managing, as I started refereeing, I started riding with uh, guys like uh, Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, uh, God rest his soul also, mm-hmm. and uh, Kevin Sullivan. And in fact, I only sent a shout out to Kevin. I had talked to him about three days ago. And uh, I used to ride with these two guys, and I told them about my career. Uh, you know, when I was coming up as a teenager, I was a disc jockey on a radio station. So uh, we'd get in the car, and I'd turn the radio down, and I'd start DJing for them, you know, let them see I could uh, be the DJ and do all that guy talking. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin and them liked it, and they said, man, we need somebody that can talk. And they were thinking ahead of time. I had no idea that they were, you know, thinking about me, you know, having me to be a manager. So uh, him and uh, Eddie Gilbert, Kevin and Eddie, they went to Jim Ross. They presented it to Jim Ross, and uh, Jim Ross uh, took a while there, but he finally liked it and decided on it. And so that's how I got to become a manager. It was because of Kevin Sullivan and Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert, and Jim Ross. He was the one that uh, those three guys were basically behind me being the manager. And like I said, not to be a repeat, but Dustin Rose gave me my first job as a referee. So I owe a lot of success, you know, to those guys. You know, they were really a big part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So who are some people that you remember uh, back in the day that were kind of trying to keep you down? Who who are the people who that you noticed that were kind of bat-mouthing you or people were saying how, um, you know, people were telling you certain things that they would say about you that would kind of hinder your process of ascending up the ladder? Do you remember any any names in particular? Well, you know, the only person I really, uh, basically, you know, you know, where well, I had a problem with a few people, you know, but you know, not not major, you know, mm-hmm. nothing that we, you know, I didn't really even care to talk about. But uh, Ole Anderson was one of the guys, uh, you know, he was, you know, real racist. I mean, you know, it was something that Ole didn't hide, you know. So I mean, it ain't nothing that, you know, I don't mind talking about it because he didn't care, he didn't hide it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that. Um, only kept me back. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I just know he was in charge and that, that I had some problems with him at the time that I was there. But no major problem, you know. He treated me okay. He wasn't, you know, really such a bad guy as people say he was. I mean, he had his beliefs, and that's what he believed in, and that's what he stuck with. So you find that right now in today's politics, you know. 
people that believe in one thing. I don't care what it's been 50 years. If that's what they believe, that's them. That's what they're going to go with. That's true. So, I, you know, with Ole, uh, you know, just a little bit of problems there, you know, I had. And, and like I said, I had trouble with uh, Jim Crockett. You know, uh, he had me drive one time. I had to uh, I drove from Atlanta, Georgia to Richmond, Virginia. And which at that time I had to pay my own gas, you know. And then when I got to the arena there in Richmond, Virginia, Jim Crockett looked at me and asked me what was I doing there. I said, well, at that time, J.J. was doing the booking, J.J. Dillon, and mm-hmm. J.J. would always, you know, was booking the referees and, you know, letting them know where they were needed. And I told him, I said, well, J.J. told me, you know, I was needed here. You guys needed me to work. And Jim Crockett looked at me and told me, well, we don't need you. So, which means I had to drive all the way back home to Atlanta, Georgia. Didn't get any money because, I mean, if you didn't work back then, you didn't get paid. Yeah. So, uh, I had trouble with Jim. You know, them kind of problem with Jim Crockett, uh, you know, and, and people like him, you know. And like I said, you know, it was just, you know, a lot of people that said, you know, that I didn't have any talent. You know, I never would make it or never would be anything in this business. And uh, I was just happy to be able to prove them wrong. And Vince yeah. McMahon was a big part of that. You know, Vince proved all of the naysayers, you know, that I did have talent. So I hold all of my, basically all of my success to Vince McMahon and the WWE because he's the one that discovered me and blew me up and gave me the opportunity that other people re- refused not to. And uh, Gordon Soley was a good friend of mine, too. Uh, and he said to me one time, I never will forget it. He said, I don't know why they won't do more with you. He said, you're wrestling's best kept secret. Nice. Gordon told me that. And um, also, uh, I was a big, uh, another guy that was a big fan of mine was a Mr. Barnett. He was one of the promoters back in the day. And he used to always tell me that he was going to always talk to the bookers and, sit and see why they wouldn't put me in this position or why they wouldn't do any more with me. So, you know, it was just one of those things, man. You know, you're coming up in the South, and that's just the way the South is. And in some parts of the South, it is that way today. Now, I heard some – now, I've heard from other interviews uh, before that you've mentioned that Jim Barnett gave you the spot because um, there was a demand as far as as far as far uh, Simmons and Reed – there was a demand for more more of a black presence and for 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 black champions. Is is that uh, you know go go a little bit more into that as far as what was told of well, why here's, they were. Here's the here's the here's the what the story was on that. Uh, Mr. Barnett and I used to talk all the time, mm-hmm. and Mr. Barnett just told me one day he said, "Teddy Long, he said the only reason that we put the belts on you guys is because the NAACP had kept calling and kept asking why did they not have any black champion? Why there were no black guys that were champion?" So he explained to me that was why they put the belts on us, but. We was lucky enough to, after they did put the belts on Butch and Ron, uh, they was lucky enough to be able to carry the belts. I mean, this this, this was a great team. Yeah. You know, people started liking us. We started doing very good. And then the other thing, they, they, they we were doing so good as heels, then somebody else came in and got the book, and they wanted to turn us uh, turn us babyface, you know, kind of kill us off a little bit, man. They talked about splitting the team up, and then I think they did. They took Ron yeah. away from Butch. They tried to push Ron, you know, as a single. Not try. Well, they did push him as a single, which he became uh, the world heavyweight champion. But uh, that's how that was. Mr. Barnett just said the NAACP had been calling, and they, they, they didn't have any black champions, so I guess – you know, they were forced to uh, put the belts on us. But in, in the end, I think they made the right decision. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Doom was one of the most dominant tag teams 
I remember watching Doom as a kid, 89, 90, feuding against the Steiner brothers and destroying the Midnight Express. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, we yeah, we, we had a lot of good uh, good times. We worked with a lot of teams, the Road Warriors. You know, we had a big feud with them. Yep. Uh, at at one time, you know, like you said, Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express. I mean, everybody that they put us on, and our biggest deal was with the Steiners. Oh, yeah. And that's where we defeated them and uh, at Capital Combat, a pay-per-view that was in Washington, D.C., and that's when they became the uh, uh, the Black World Tag Team Champions. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, and, uh, yeah, definitely mention of uh, the Rock and Roll Express, too, destroying the – the Rock and Roll Express. I was a Rock and Roll Express fan as a kid. I was a, more of a Steiner's fan, but Rock and Roll Express was one of my teams. And so they definitely played very well heels by just uh, taking out the Rock and Roll Express like that. It, it just didn't seem like it was any type of uh, any type of chance. But, uh, yeah, it was great heel tag team. So about a couple of years later, like you said, uh, Ron Simmons became the first Black World Heavyweight Champion. Now, that was that. Uh, the same type of deal as far as them, them needing, you know, uh, more of a black presence? Or was it just Bill Watts seeing the talent and seeing the opportunity uh, in Ron Simmons to anoint him with that title because he deserved it? Well, uh, it could be both of those. You know, I'm pretty sure that Bill, one thing I knew about Bill, you know, he did, uh, you know, he wouldn't do anything with you unless you really deserve it. You know, he was an old school promoter and that's how it worked back in the day. You know, when you got a break, you deserve that break. Yeah. So I think it was pro- it was probably that too and I'm pretty sure it was probably the other way around too. They probably just wanted a, you know, a black face on that TV because I was told this and I don't know how true this is, but I was told that when I first got the referee job, when Dusty gave me, hired me for that job and I started refereeing, I kept that job for so long is because they said Ted Turner, you know, enjoyed watching me. He wanted this black referee on his TV. Mm-hmm. That's what I was told. I don't know whether that was true or not. But mm-hmm. anyway, I think with Ron Simmons, I think, you know, their wife saw the opportunity there and saw that he was deserving of being that. And then probably maybe that could have probably still been going on, you know, for his Turner, you know, and the NAACP or whoever it was, you know, they may have been, you know, continuing to, you know, show them, you know, yeah, that, there are some black guys here that are qualified and capable of being of representing the company and being the world uh, heavyweight champion and the world tag team champion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, do you think that Vince uh, would kind of have that t- same type of notion of you know he had a few black you know stockholders and shareholders uh, saying hey we need a black presence? Who do you think right now that Vince would be able to use? as that champion to be in the forefront. Can you think of any black wrestler right now? Well, here's the thing I think with Vince. I don't think Vince would do something because somebody told him, you don't have no black champion, you need to get a black champion on TV. Vince Vince don't work like that. Mm -hmm. Vince will give a black guy the opportunity if he, you know, if, if he deserves that opportunity. And Vince looks at it like this. Vince looks at it like the dollar. You know, if you're a black guy, if you're black as cold, if you can draw Vince some money, he's going to put you out there to draw him. Mm-hmm. And you can, if you go back to the Ahmed Johnson situation, you know, back when he was in the WWF, you know, he was in a great spot. And he and Vince, I was told that Vince really liked him, and Vince was going to you know, have him be the world champion and put him in a big position, but he screwed that up himself. That's a good point. A lot of times... A lot of times, guys, you know, and I, you know, and I'm not trying to be racist or say nothing about my race, but a lot of times I've been in this business a long time, and 
A lot of times, black guys, I've seen they're just as humble as they can be until they get a push. Mm-hmm. And once they get a push and start getting on TV, then they go to acting stupid. You know, go to you know acting like the man needs them and they don't need the job. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to understand, this promotion belongs to them. This yeah. is his, his, his company. You can't come in here just because you done got on top and you feel like you can draw some people. Now you're going to tell the man to put you on top and give you the opportunity to get in this position. You're going to tell him what to do. Right. So that's what happens with a lot of guys. And it, and if you ever get a chance to talk to Tony Adams, he's the guy that will tell you that because me and him rode together for a while. And he was very honest with me about his situation. You know, he told me, he said, man, I had too much too soon. And I just didn't know what to do with it. And I messed myself up. And and that's what can happen to you. You know what I mean? You can mess yourself up. And that's what that's what Tony did. And there are a lot of other guys that did that. You know, they won't confess it and say that's what it was. They'll blame it on Vince or say that, you know, he just got rid of them and didn't want to use them or whatever. But it's not like that, man. It's up there. If you can draw the man some money, you can make money, then you're fine. Yeah. You know, but when, you know, everybody has their day. You know, when, when your day or your time's up, your time's up. You know, it's just as simple as that. And I can't see why anybody would, would balk against being released. If you, you know, just look at me. I was there 15 years. Now, what would I look like being somewhere, you know, trashing Vince and trashing the company? And he kept me there for 15 years. And I worked on top of the, on 15 years. I worked on top, you know, manager, all three companies. So how can I make somebody believe that these people are racist or believe that they were using the black man wrong and when I was in that position for that long time. So it just it, just, it would just be stupid for me to do that. But yeah. I you know, like I said, you know, some guys will just they, they, they forget where they come from man. You know, not only the black guys, I've seen a lot of white guys too, you know, that'll trash the company and I look back at them, you know, where hey man, if I hadn't been to this, you know, you wouldn't be where you are. So I don't understand what what's the problem. Yeah. That's a great approach, man. I mean, that's that's well respected. I think that's a great way to really look at the business, you know, from a from a mature standpoint. A lot of people don't have that maturity that you're speaking of right now, and I and I really appreciate that. So yeah, you you, you mentioned Ahmed Johnson. That's a really good point too, because I remember him having a really sizable push when he first came in, become an Intercontinental Champion. You know, there were some rumors that he was scheduled to, you know, go against The Undertaker and start a program with him. Uh, so, yeah, you're, you're definitely right about that. Now, as far as uh, any type, what, what one black wrestler do you, do you see right now that has the potential to become a star and a world champion? Well, I, I think it would be Big E. Uh, well, I like, I like that know, I, 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 I think, you know, and I've said this before, I think he's just in the wrong role. I don't see him being with this this new day or with this group. You know what I mean? I, I he, you look at him, he's got a great look, and plus this guy's a young guy. You know, you can get ten more years, you know, out of him. You know, and like I said, he's got a great attitude. I had a chance to work with him too, man. He's just as nice as you could be. I mean, he's the kind of guy that you know the promoter would want to work with because you ain't he doesn't give you any problems. Whatever you ask him to do, he's, he's, he has no problem doing it. You know, he's a company man, and that's what you have to be. So if, if I, I think if they would take him and pull him away from that group and just put him on his own, you know, I think he would be your next, you know, not saying he should, you know, copy anybody, but he would be your next Mark Henry. And I think Mark Henry, uh, the rumor has it that he's getting ready to retire. You know, he's getting out of the ring. So why wouldn't you groom Big E to take uh, Mark Henry's spot? I think, I think he would be the perfect guy to – 
be your next star. Yeah. Now, would you make him a baby face or a heel? Well, I would make him a baby face at the mm-hmm. beginning, you know what I mean? And just kind of run, we can get out of that. Because you look at it, you know, they don't really have a, you know, a, a, a real good black baby face. I think Titus O'Neil, I, I think he's going to maybe a baby face role. But uh, I just, you know, like I said, I just like to see Biggie, you know, I think he understands this business a lot better than Titus O'Neil. Yeah. And I think Biggie would be the guy, you know, that would be able to carry, you know, whatever position that they put him in, he'd be able to carry himself. Yeah. So that you know that that that's kind of the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I I'm I've been a big strong supporter of Big E for quite some time. Many of uh, my friends and followers of the show, the past four years, you know, know that I always speak you know highly of Big E. He's one of my favorite wrestlers, actually. The the, the New Day is so red hot right now and so you know on fire. You know, it, it's it'll be tough to break them away. But at the same time, you know, like you said, everything comes to an end. And I think that, uh, you know, when that, when the New Day fix and when the New Day high, you know, comes to an end, I think that'll be a very good opportunity to use for Big E. He's been, he's been uh, Intercontinental Champion as a babyface, and you know, he was pretty over. I think he has an opportunity as well uh, to be well, World Champ. Well, the thing I would do, and you know, if it, if it was me to pull him away from him. Is I would have him to start taking the the, the tag team situation more serious, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I'm looking at them. You know these are the WWE tag team champions, and to me I don't think that they're taking them. You know they don't they're not portraying them as serious champions. You know there's a lot of entertainment in the game, and there's a lot of haha. You know from them. And I just, you know, I guess maybe times are changing. You know, maybe that's what it is. Because I, as, as long as I can remember, the world championship, the world title, and the tag team titles were serious. Uh, 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 you know, were serious positions to be in. When you have those belts, you know, I think if, if it was me, I'd have Big E to maybe sit down and be catching somewhere, you know, just in a, you know, thinking to himself, and, you know, and just wondering, you know, hey, why am I doing this? You know, why am I, why is this so, you know, I, I should be taking this more serious. And maybe he got into it with the guys, you know, and tell them, hey, man, come on, let's get away. Get away from the instruments and all that stuff. Realize we're the chance, man. We got to, you know, we, you know, uh, you know, something along that line, you mm-hmm. know, and that's the way I would kind of pull him away is that the other two guys didn't want to be serious. They still want to entertain and Big E wants to be serious. Okay. Yeah, I, I can like, I, I can, I can see that. Definitely can see that. I appreciate the uh, the fantasy on the spot booking, and I and I like it. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I mean, you know, it's like, what do I know? You know, but I'm just saying that's just kind of the way you know I would pull him away, and, and you know, so you can make him more serious. There's no sense in putting him out there on his own yeah. if he's not going to be a serious character because with the look that he's got, he's got to be serious. Very true. Absolutely. So we talked about your ascension from manager to general manager. How did all, that all come about? What, why, what was it about Teddy Long that was chosen by Vince McMahon to say, hey, listen, this is going to be the person that's going to be the general manager? Because if I'm not mistaken, you succeeded Stephanie McMahon, correct? Uh, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I, you know, I don't really know how this this happens, and I'm being honest with you. You know, I one time I remember I came out, I did a promo, and I think the promo was uh, was on Tommy Dreamer when I walked out with D'Lo Brown, 
And uh, I think that was the first time Vince had the opportunity to see my skills and to see I could I could really talk. And so I remember coming back into the gorilla position where Vince was sitting, and he called me over and he said to me, I, he said, I can't believe I had you ready under my nose all this time. Wow. And uh, the general manager spot was something that they didn't ever tell me ahead of time uh, that I was going to be the general manager. Nobody came and said, well, this is the idea, this is what we're thinking about, or this is the direction that we're going to go in. You know, you're going to be general manager. Nobody told me nothing. All I did is I walked in one day, and I guess maybe an hour before uh, TV, before we got ready to go on, uh, they, the writers came to me and told me, you're going to be general manager tonight. Vince was going to make you general manager. And so to me, I was nervous as I could be. I mean, real nervous because I'm like, Jesus Christ, I ain't never been in this position here before. And I already understood, you know, working for Vince, you, you, you don't play, you know, you got to you know, be able to get out there and you got to be able to, to perform. Mm-hmm. So it was just, you know, to me, I'm looking at it, this is a big responsibility here, but I can't say no. Right. <laughs> I can't tell them, no, I don't want to be the general manager. I appreciate you giving it to somebody else, you know. So <laughs> uh, I just, uh, you know, when they told me, I just thought about it and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm off and running. And mm-hmm. that's exactly how that happened. I had no idea. Wow, that's fantastic. So what would you say your best and your worst time as general manager is? Well, I, you know, I, all of the times were good for me. I think at the, the worst times is at the end, you know, after when, you know, they couldn't uh, make up their mind whether they wanted to continue to keep me in that spot or they had talked about uh, me turning uh, heel and turning on Booker. They were going to give it to Booker and then I was going to turn on him and we had some stuff that was going to start from there. But, you know, every time, you know, they just kept, you know, doing, saying different things and everything that they said, you know, wouldn't come in true. It wasn't actually happening. So I think that was kind of the bad time. Yeah. But all the times I was in that position, I had great times. I had good chemistry with everybody that I worked with. So I enjoyed everything that I'd done, especially with the deal with me and the undertaker where he kidnapped me and I was in the coffin and all that stuff. Yep. I, I, I enjoyed that. And I, I really enjoyed working with Vicky Guerrero. What a great person, man, and a nice, nice lady. And, uh, you know, we were so good together to, you know, actually a lot of things that she did to me, I you know, off screen, you know, I talked to her and I told her. You know, here's what I want you to do to me tonight. You know what I mean? Because I knew the position that I was in. I knew the people wanted to see me back in that position. So a lot of times, a lot of stuff, Vicky, when Vicky did things for me, I didn't even talk. I just looked at it. You know, you could look at my expression on my face, and you could, I could tell you, you know, okay, like one day, one day, Vicky. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So you could see it in my face. So I was able to, you know, that's how I was able to, get, you know, get my character over because my character was me. I you know I wasn't putting on no air. What I walked out and said on TV, I, I talked in everyday life. I called people players today. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it. Everything I said, I it, it just came from me. So I had a lot of good times. Everything that I did as general manager and I was involved in, I enjoyed every minute of it. That's awesome. Greatly, and you did a fantastic job, man. It was it was such a great time to see that long time that you were general manager. It was it was to me it was really the flavor and the spice that SmackDown needed to kind of cut it above, you know, cut it different and make it different than Raw. 
I think one of the problems that we see right now is that SmackDown isn't different from Raw. There's not much of a difference. There's there's a more of a wrestling element per se sometimes, but at the same time, it just now it's gotten to a point there's more of an extension of Raw, and it really doesn't have an identity. I think when you were general manager, SmackDown really had it, an identity that really made people want to watch it on on Thursday nights or Friday nights, you know, interchangeably whenever they came on. So definitely major kudos to you for that. So you, there was an angle that was going on with you and Crystal Marshall. Now, was that planned? Now, now what we saw on the screen, was that planned the way that it was supposed to? Or were there, were there a bunch of audibles, different audibles called throughout the angle that we saw? Uh, because I mean, there's there's rumors that Crystal didn't want to marry Edge and Vicky was a person and Crystal with you and there, there was a there's a bunch of just rumors going around as far as and, and different stories going around as far as how the angle was supposed to be. Now, do you recall well, what, what it was supposed yeah. to be? Yeah, well, the, what the angle was supposed to be is uh, that after I had the heart attack, uh, that Vicky and Crystal were supposed to take over. They were supposed to start running SmackDown, okay? Mm-hmm. And I was going to be gone for a while, you know, just like, well, we really did it again, and we did it again with uh, Vicky and Dolph Ziggler. But uh, the first of it is uh, Vicky and Crystal were supposed to be running the show. I was going to be gone for a while, and then they were going to run it until we really run it in the ground. And then I was going to make the big comeback and come back and take over SmackDown again. But what happened, I think, with Crystal, I think she uh, was dating Bobby Lashley at yep. the time. Yep. And so at the time, you know, we're doing this, this deal on, on SmackDown that we're together and we're supposed to be getting married and, you know, everything is supposed to be, you know, real. You know, you're supposed to protect, you know, what you're doing on TV. And she didn't do that. She started going to Raw and waiting on Bobby. And then when everybody, would, when everybody at the end, when uh, people were leaving, they see her leaving with Bobby Lashley. So, you know, she just exposed everything. You know, she's supposed to be marrying me. And like I said, she didn't really protect the storyline and what we were doing on TV. So that's kind of way that where it went, you know, where it went sideways was right there. But the way it was supposed to be was her and Vicky supposed to take over and I was supposed to make the comeback and run SmackDown. So, like I said, we just redid it again when Vicky started dating dating Dolph and, uh, they found me in the office. I was on the floor where somebody had knocked me out or whatever it was, and then they took me out. And then Vicky and Doc started running it. And then remember, I came back in Sacramento and I took it back. Yeah, great. So lastly, I have a long list of wrestlers that you have managed, and they include Mark Jendrak, Jazz, Mark Henry, Rosie, Chris Nowinski, Rodney Mack, D'Lo Brown, Ice Train, Bobby Eaton. Jim Powers, Hard Work Bobby Walker, Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman, Joey Maggs, Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Of course, we talked about Doom, Two Cold Scorpio, One Man Gang, Johnny B. Bad, Norman Lunatic, and the Skyscrapers, which is me, Mark Callis, and Dangerous Danny Spivey. So who would you say the, is the worst person you managed, in your opinion, and then follow it by the best person you believe you managed? Oh, <laughs> uh, man, that's uh, a lot of guys there. I, I, you know, I the, the best person, man, I mean, everybody was really good. You know, Butch and Run, I'd have to definitely throw, throw their name out there. 
But when uh, I had the team of uh, uh, Danny Spivey, Skip Dishes, you know, they were, you know, they were great. Uh, Mark Merrow was great. I, I think probably, oh, man, I just don't know. The worst person that I could have managed, Jesus Christ, probably was Bagwell, I guess. You know, maybe, you know, because he, he was hard to get along with at the time with me, him, and Scorpio, you know. I, and, uh, you know, like I said, he wasn't real totally bad, but he just, he was, he was, just, he was just hard to get along with. So I, I just can't say that anybody that I managed was real bad. Nobody was basically any memories I would have would just probably be a bad will. That, that probably would be it. But anybody else that I had great chemistry with everybody. I wish I knew what hard work Bobby Walker was today. We haven't seen him, God, I guess, in 15 or 20 years. But, you know, I wonder whatever happened to him. But he was a great guy, and I'm just sorry, you know, that he didn't didn't make it in the business, but other than that, man, I, everybody that I managed, I, I, you know, they were good. I was happy with everybody. Yeah, Bobby Walker had a really good look to him too. I, I agree with you. I've, I've past few years, I've been doing some digging and trying to figure out where he is, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep digging, man. I'm gonna, uh, when I find out, and hopefully I'll get a interview with him, and I'll connect it, connect you two together, and you know, so y'all can catch up. Yeah, I'd appreciate that, man, because I, I think about him all the time. You know, he's a great guy. I want to get him whatever happens to him. Yeah, absolutely. Teddy, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate your time. So before we go, let everybody know what, uh, what you're up to now. Uh, well, you know, if you want to keep up with Teddy Long now, you can go to my website. I'm at teddylong.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at, and that is at Teddy Player Long, and my Instagram is Teddy Long Wrestling. And uh, this Saturday night, I'm going to be in Barnesville, Georgia, with uh, Russell America, that with uh, Luke Gallus and uh, Stevie Richards. He'll be on that show mm-hmm. uh, next week on uh, the 26th. I'm uh, well, the 26th of uh, May. I'm going to be in uh, Ringo, Georgia, for Wrestle Jam Four. Uh, I'll be there with a bunch of WWE Hall of Famers. The Nature Boy Rick Flair is on that card. Ron Simmons, uh, Kevin Nash, also Jim Cornette. He, he's going to be on that show. And on the 28th of uh, May, I'm going to be down in uh, New Orleans with Wildcat Sports with my man Luke Hawk. Man, I love him. I, I, I was with him back in the day when he was first starting out. And he one of those guys that paid his dues, and he struggled, brother. Believe me, he paid his dues, and it all paid off. Now he's running his own company, and, brother, it's, it's, it's outstanding, and I'm just happy to be a part of it, and I'm happy to be going to work this month down in New Orleans. And uh, like I said, other places that I'm going to be, you can find it on the website or just follow me on Twitter, and you can keep up with everything I'm doing, player. That's awesome. Staying young, staying busy, that's the way to go, man. Really appreciate your time, Teddy. Hey, I appreciate you having me, man, and thank you so much. And if you need me again, man, feel free to holler, player. Sounds good. Have a good one. All right, thank you. Thank you. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners, three. Our mind. Let's go. 
the whole squad is making it clear we taking this year you know who we are but you don't know why we here so this is where the big boys play these big boys play like who defies the living god get out the big boys way outsiders with the swoop in we live as kings you see in us but our third man waits in the wings and when the time is right we shock him with the proper attack i go for dolo but ain't solo cut the promo in black hollywood hendrix prizzle pinning them to the max and i'm that's with the strength of a hundred men With one intent To see the will fulfilled of the one who sent His son to give himself But you rap out your gaps and your rags torture White coffins when I drop a bomb My mic's awesome, never lost faith You in all space You can all skate, suffer but never cripple No bin walls in my cross face From here to Saturday raving Anticipating I was frostbit, now I am glacier Mixed with some Vader Get to hawking with these animals Using God for my defense and Alabama, we jamming, that's beautiful Bobby E and me and Priest We the dangerous alliance, nah The Harlem Heat, tie the do-rag Before we do battle, you're talking sheep You are what you speak, this too sweet Till the genre is took back We repping that wolf pack The foundation shaking, no mistaking Yeah, we shook that, trusting God We trust, pushing forward, never look back Meekness ain't at all weakness Some people mistook that Stamping out this crook rap He turning the power on, on the race Edge, leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful. The owners in our group, too. It's good to be king. Sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games. Our army go move, too. You through. I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. In the grand scheme, it's that easy. We tag teaming. Sign the brothers. We love it. Demand the win. Establish it. Fit the clash to the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for tuning in to the Teddy Long interview. Awesome, awesome stuff going on with Teddy Long. Still, he's keeping young, he's keeping fresh, and wonderful, wonderful stories to share. As I certainly, certainly expected, it was it was incredible. So, without further ado, here's the thing, and I appreciate everyone who listens to this show, and I appreciate everyone who continues to support through Facebook, through Twitter, uh, through Facebook Live. I'm, ha- I'm having some wonderful interaction there. So, you know, I've been doing this thing for four years. I've been writing. I've been a journalist for quite some time, and I have... You know, when you put in the work and when you uh, have an opportunity to, to really have a passion to do this, opportunities come knocking to you. And uh, I'm so thankful that I'm able to write for Sports Illustrated and Fox Sports. Awesome opportunities there. So I talked yesterday. I, I had a phone conversation, and I was invited to uh, be a featured co-host on WrestleZone Daily today. So I was excited. Nick and I, we talked on the phone, went over some things, and we both were just really excited about just meshing together and, 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 you know, having a wonderful time talking about wrestling. So I was away from my office, and I, my office studio, the studio is, is my office, my office is my studio. And so I go inside, I go into my office, my studio, get everything ready, 
and all of a sudden, my computer freezes. I was scheduled to be on 12.30. Computer freezes. Get that taken care of. I get on uh, the, the the method of, of, of how I was supposed to be called on. It says available. I'm sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting for a call. Um, and, man, yeah, I responded to an email. And uh, just technical difficulties what ended up happening was i believe that i had to make skype a uh extension on my computer because i use it on use skype and so it was shown the entire time when i logged into skype it was shown the entire time i was available and then by the time you know, I had an opportunity to come. It was like 10 minutes to 1. The show was about to be off. So I just really want to publicly apologize. I really thought that I was doing, had everything set. I was ready. It was like 12.25. I was ready to be get on live. As you know from this from this show, I absolutely love talking about wrestling. I love, love talking about wrestling. And that's what I do. I mean, it's, that's what I have such a fun time doing. It's such medication at times, and I love it, absolutely love it. So when I have an opportunity to be on shows like WZ Daily, it's really a pleasure for me. Yeah, I've done, you know, i got a nice long resume of stuff that I've done and I've achieved and I've written. But every single time, you know, every single opportunity I'm humbled by and I appreciate. Uh, so I definitely want to... I uh, apologize for everyone who was looking forward to see me or to, to hear me on WC Daily. I had a lot of stuff to talk about, of course, um, and uh, it was great. It, it would have been a great opportunity to share what I had to share on an afternoon format. I usually do what I do on a nightly basis, but it was it would have been great to share on the afternoon. This is, you know, uh, this relationship that I have with uh, Russell's own daily. Really didn't start off with a with a good note because of technical technical difficulties, but we have opened up uh, the relationship again to uh, for me to be on to be back on there soon. So uh, again, apologies to Nick and company. Apologizes to the WZ Daily listeners who was expecting for me to be there because I was advertised. I even advertised myself being on there because I was all in, all intentions to be there. I was ready. I was locked and loaded, but I guess I wasn't loaded. So, uh, again, my apologies uh, to that. And looking forward to redeeming myself to all of you listeners uh, and, and talk some wrestling here coming soon. All right, so let's get to Raw. Uh, we get the Jericho highlight reel and entering promo interrupted by Big Cass. Uh, the two exchange words, and Cass gets the better of uh, Y2J. Uh Big boots him in the face. Um, I'm just going to go through uh, Raw, and then we'll get back into it in depth um, afterwards. The flavor of the week is ranking the Teddy Long-managed wrestlers. And Teddy did, you know, as you saw, as you listened on an interview, Teddy talked about his worst. And his best person that he's managed. So we're going to rank the people that he's managed from worst to best. 
and just you know simply from the success level and how we help, it helped him as a manager uh, and how it propelled the person uh, the person or people that he managed how he was propelled or how, how they were propelled so that's really the basis of the ranking so Big Cass interferes the highlight reel. I think it really gave Big Cass a really good opportunity uh, to to really be thrust into that main event spot. And I like it. It's really kind of like a blessing in disguise for Big Cass that Enzo is gone. You know, it, it, it sucks for Enzo because, you know, he had such an amazing, amazing mouthpiece. However, here's the here's the good news. I really think that they can keep this Big Cass being a singles wrestler, and even as and when Big Cat and, and and when Enzo comes in, and when he comes back from his injury, I know they're probably going to do the tag team thing, but he's excelling so much as a singles competitor that they really need. I, I think it'll be a, a wonderful idea for them to bring Enzo in as a manager. I think that I mean. I really think you still can do the whole my name is Enzo Amore and I am a certified bona fide G and a certified certified G and a bona fide stud and you can't teach that, et cetera, et cetera. And that would continue to, you know, wow the crowd and Big Cass would be the, the singles competitor. I think it would really, really help uh, Cass's singles push and... You know, this is a concussion. So, as as we've seen from many different wrestlers, you really can't rebound as much as uh, possible, as much as you want from a concussion. We've even seen it with Dolph Ziggler. Uh, you know, ever since you know he got the concussions a couple of years ago, he's been in mediocre feuds. But he he's either putting someone over, or he's just being in just really mid card. He's he's never broke the ceiling again to be that world champion figure. He hasn't done it. And of course we saw with Daniel Bryan and and so forth. So it's really tough rebounding from a concussion and I think that uh Enzo Amore would be able to be a really, really good managerial role in that. Uh kudos to Jericho though for, for really doing what he can to put over Cass. I think it's really good. I think you know, I, I Jericho's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. That that goes without saying, but I I criticize Jericho and I and I I've been very I do that heavily because I'm not I'm not happy I'm not impressed with the overall resume win loss resume and really putting people over. You know, I've said this before. You have to in order for in order to put people over. You have to be over. And in order to be over, you have to strongly build your character, win matches, win matches, draw that heat, make people hate the fact that you're winning, hate what you have to say. All that heat that's being built, then you put over someone who is a babyface. That's from me. I've said that before. And Jericho, you know, his win-loss record isn't impressive enough to really strongly put someone over. We saw that with Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose beat Chris Jericho, and he's still feuding with Chris Jericho. Well, I mean, what else is there left to feud? So hopefully he does something good for Big Cass coming in a few weeks. Corbin defeats Ziggler. I think that was a good idea. 
Um, you know, losing against Ziggler his first match on pay-per-view, absolutely horrible idea. Like I said, this, these win-loss trades are such a horrible way to consistently build someone. That deep six was absolutely sick. That it was. It's really hard for me to see how he got out of that deep six. I think I've seen it before in NXT that it, you know it was. It's just it's a signature move. But there's times where I've seen that people have actually took the fall from the deep six. And man, I, I like the end of days. But that deep six, uh, it, it's it's nice. And when it was executed on Dolph Ziggler, it was something special. It was really, really something special. Archer defeating Fandango. I and I I've said this on I said this on Facebook Live. I'm less critical about this than than normal than than most. I would even say. Can everybody vie for the world championship all at once? And that's my that's my theory. Can everybody can everybody vie for a mid card title? All at once. So you have all these people on a roster, and instead of having you know this person wrestle a couple main events here and there, and this person wrestling a couple of superstars, and mostly most likely putting someone a little bit more important than them over. I mean, might as well. Goldust is a vet. Our troops, he's a vet. He's been in there for a while. I'd be totally okay if this leads to R-Truth and Goldust finally getting together and then Fandango and Tyler Breeze becoming a tag team. I think those two tag teams are fine. I really do. It gives Tyler Breeze something to do. It finally gives Fandango a, a viable spot because he's been just in and out and unimportant for for so long. So it gives them opportunity. I'm okay with it. Yeah, it may the the feud might have went or maybe going a little bit too long. Yeah, possibly, probably. However, it still gives them an opportunity to do something, to to be something other than just putting people over. So, I'm not as critical of it as most. Paige defeating Charlotte. Why does this happen? Paige isn't going to be a part of the title picture. Uh, the only thing that I can think of is Paige being the tag team partner of Becky Lynch with the whole Emma and Dana Brooke thing, and we'll talk about that. That's the only thing that I can think of of what made sense here. Charlotte beating Paige by disqualification, or or Paige beating Charlotte by disqualification, would have made much more sense because of that. I mean, because of the fact that it just, her losing doesn't make any sense. It really does not make any sense at all for for her to take a pin two weeks before, well, actually, a, what? Yeah, two weeks, two a little less than two weeks before the pay-per-view, taking a pinfall to someone who has not been relevant in the WWE for Eight, nine months. Unfortunately, because Paige has talent, but she hasn't been relevant for quite some time. And to have her beat Charlotte, ah, 
Just and I've said this before, pinning champions on regular programming is just such a lousy, lackluster way to really continue steam. You're you're the champion. Why are you losing to some random person? I don't care if you were distracted or not. You're the champ. You shouldn't be losing matches against just people. Just random people on Raw or SmackDown for the sake of making you look less than the person that you're going to beat at the pay-per-view. That's not a way to build steam. A way to build steam is to have the heel continue to win and say, you know what, he may, I think he'll probably win at the pay-per-view. And then the toss-up is, is the heel still going to win at the pay-per-view because he's been winning all these weeks or she's been winning all these weeks? Or is it, you know what, I really want this person to lose. I want them to lose. So whoever beats this person, perfect. I'm on their team. However, you get the people lose. You get the heels losing throughout the weeks and just uh, makes absolutely no sense. And and another thing, and, and another heel losing like that, that's a couple of times. Charlotte lost, and then the whole... Flair comes out Shane, and then after that, another champion loses in The Miz, and Sami Zayn's now part of the the, the four-way, the Intercontinental title match at Extreme Rules. Okay, so it would have been much more, it would have been much more believable, or it made it much more sense. For for someone like Sami Zayn to be a stronger character in winning a handicap match, that would have really strengthened his character. Would it, you know, just throw a couple people to him. I know that what I think uh, Connor is the one that's uh, suspended, so you still got Victor around. Someone like Victor. Someone like Del Rio, Sheamus couple people. Somebody just not very relevant in the mid card scene. Give it to them. How about how about Stardust and Victor? Then they have the cosmic wasteland, so they they've teamed up before. So Stardust and Victor, those are two people who aren't really doing much. Team them up. Handicap match against Sami Zayn. He defies the odds. That's good enough to become, you know, to become a, a contender for the Intercontinental title. Don't have him beat the champion. It just doesn't it doesn't help the Miz. Yeah, he'll he'll probably win at the pay per view, but so what? Build him up to be a strong heel. He should be winning up to the pay per view and win the pay per view. Because you're setting him up for that baby face to beat him. Come on. Logic here. Storyline building here. Come on. And then we see it again with Sin Cara beating Rusev. I've spoke I've spoke positively about Sin Cara, but oh man, why would you have him beat Rusev? Pin him. If you beat him by DQ, possibly. If you beat him by count out, 
Okay, possibly. Those things can fly. But pin him? You pin Rusev, someone who was undefeated for nine months, loses against Sin Cara, who hasn't been built strongly since he's got there. And that's really sad. I guess he was built up a little bit when he first got there. He beat Daniel Bryan. But so did Barrett when Barrett wasn't being built strongly either. So, yeah, again, there's your booking there. Lack of building characters. And, you know, just chasing around Kalisto like he's a little cockroach. Ah, man. What a way to make your U.S. title relevant. The number one contender loses a match against his tag against the champion's tag team partner who with him loses more matches than they than they win please someone help me with understanding that then we got the roman then we got roman reigns and the usos defeating aj styles anderson and gallows by dq this was cool this was fun and exciting i think they're building this fairly well uh I'm expecting the payoff to be something different than AJ Styles officially or really being with Anderson and Gallows. I think we'll probably get a Beller, a Finn Balor call up at Extreme Rules. That would be interesting. And then oh, the club. You could have been called anything else in this entire nation. In this entire galaxy, you could have been called Donald Trump. That would have been better than the club. You could have been called Hillary Clinton. That would have been better than the club. The club? I said this on my Facebook Live. I feel like I'm being protected. I feel like I'm protecting cars. If my name, if I'm in a faction called the club. I should be like the union. Remember the union? They would come out with their two-by-fours. I'm in a faction called the club. I should bring out clubs. I should bring those back from like 1993. And I should bring a club device out to the ring. Heck, might as well. Just lace it all up. It should be a part of the gear. It should be a part of everything. Just the club. I'm a part of the club. Oh. Absolutely ridiculous. Speaking of a better name, the Bullet Club, Adam Cole Bebe, Adam Page. Newest additions to the Bullet Club. Kudos to those decisions. I'm interested to see where that goes. I think both of them are interesting additions. Adam Cole, you know, he broke away from the kingdom few weeks ago in ROH, Matt Taven kicked him out. Seems like he might have been taking the babyface route, kind of. But nope, he realized that now I'm I'm better heel. I'm just a uh, I'm just a slimy guy. But you know, I think he one of these days he'll have a good face run because, uh, like I said before, you got you got all the fans coming out and chanting Adam Cole baby. That's a babyface move. As far as Adam Page, I think it's good for him, too. I think he's a rising star. 
good hand for ROH. Kind of played the babyface role, and it was, you know, he had a potential to be a good babyface, but they weren't doing too much with him. You know, him and the B.J. Whitmer thing kind of ran its course. Now B, now B.J. can focus back on Carino. So it was good for Adam Page, too. Both of them fit the look of the Bullet Club. So I'm very interested to see where that goes. But on WWE, you have the club. You have the car-protecting device, the club. Oh, man, absolutely no sense. And, then you, you know, you had the Bulletproof. You know, of course, I'd imagine Balor Club. When Balor comes up, please change it to Balor Club. Hopefully this is only a temporary thing, and it's even tough to endure if it's temporary. What a horrible name. For a, for a faction that's supposed to be and look and sound and seem dominating the club. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson, the club. Sorry. All right, next we have uh, Kevin Owens defeating Zack Ryder. Um, this was this was given. This was certainly given. I think that's probably the best word for it was given, because I just I, I really don't understand why Zack Ryder is even still on the main roster. He should go back to NXT. They should relive the Hype Bros. I mean, the Hype Bros were on NXT last week, I think it was, a week or two ago. So the Hype Bros still are alive. But I, you know, take him back to NXT. He's not going to have any type of relevance again. It just, for some reason, it just seems as if that Intercontinental title win was a knee-jerk reaction to like, oh yeah, there's no way that Zack Ryder's going to win. He's a replacement to Neville. No way. But, yes way, he won the Intercontinental title. I was very, very apprehensive of it. Very. Because I I just knew that they weren't going to push Zack Ryder to that Intercontinental title level. And I keep saying over and over again, I will continue to say this from then until now, until forever, Champions do should not make people. Champions should not make wrestlers. Wrestlers should make champions. Or titles should not make wrestlers. Wrestlers should make titles. I'm not going to throw a title on you and expect for you to be a new level of important. No. Absolutely not. No. It's 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 ridiculous to think something different. However, for some reason, I'm supposed to believe that putting a title on someone is somehow supposed to convince me to believe that they're more important than what they were. No. Absolutely positively not. No, 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 no. 
And we have that with Zack Ryder. He's Intercontinental Champion. What did that do to him? Nothing. What status was he before he won the Intercontinental title? Very low. He was making some noise in NXT. The Hype Bros were important. I, I like the Hype Bros. I think they're good. And I've said this before. I even said it on Facebook Live uh, yesterday. There's certain there's certain gimmicks that stay that should stay on NXT because you have that alternative culture, you have that indie-ish culture, and they should just stay on NXT. Tyler Breeze should have stayed on NXT. That gimmick has a very short shelf life. The Vault Villains should have stayed on NXT. That gimmick has a very short shelf life. Even Bo Dallas. That gimmick never got over. It just it was just weird from the beginning on on, on main roster. This guy, this weirdly positive guy who's a heel and he's not intimidating looking but he's on a streak he's on a winning streak but his winning streak are against like mid carters you know eh. I think one of us I know he would be our true for a few times but I, I I don't remember I have to look up his streak when he first got there when I have time, it's not worth doing now. But there's certain there's certain people that should really stay on NXT. Really should. And there's certain people who've been caught up too fast. <clears throat> Apollo Cruz, who we did not see at all on Raw. Oh man, it's tough to endure. If I'm Apollo Cruz, I'm looking at Tyler Breeze. I'm looking at the Ascension. And I'm like, oh boy, this doesn't look good. Probably look good on his on his paycheck though. Yeah, you're you're financially. Yeah, there's a financial promotion. Yeah. Does that does that overshadow your peace of mind? So we'll see. So Dana Brooke, Dana Brooke comes up. Dana Brooke is debuted on on Smack on, on Raw. Now, you have Bailey, you have Nia Jax, you have Oxa, Asuka, excuse me. You have all of these NXT potential call-ups here. Carmella is another one. Perfect. I mean, Carmella and Cass together, they're dating. They might as well. <laughs> so why would you not have those? Uh, the, the, what's the what's the girl from from Jersey? Uh, I don't remember her name. On uh, she she's she wrestles NXT and she has the the three hundred one Jersey. Um, I don't remember her name. It, it, it'll probably pop up. But, you know, she has potential. But, uh, man, I, I I don't quite understand how you're bringing someone like Dana Brooke up. 
That's uh, Liv Morgan. That's her name, Liv Morgan. She has potential. She's a better wrestler than Dana Brooke is. But uh, there's so much. I mean, she plays a good. She plays a good heel. The, the whole pat on the top of the head. At least that's some type of signature something. Okay, I get that, and I'm okay with that. At least it's something. At least it's some type of signature. However, it doesn't make any sense to bring up Dana Brooke, and she really, really needs to improve in the ring. She's not horrible, but she's in dire need of improvement. So, sadly enough, we get Dana Brooke, but we don't get Bailey or Oxa. Oscar. Bailey or Oscar or Nia Jax or Carmella. Sad, sad, sad. Or Tessa Blanchard, that's another one. I like Tessa Blanchard. And she can fit perfectly, perfectly on the main roster. Wouldn't it make sense for her to feud against Charlotte and bring back Tully? There's a rift in the Four Horsemen. Two Hall of Famers at odds with each other as the Four Horsemen. Flair in one corner, Tully in the other. No, you know, no disrespect to uh, to Bret Hart, but I tell you what, man, it's it's tough. And I've said this before. It, it's it's tough. It is tough to look at to to just witness Bret Hart nowadays. It really is. But Tully, from what I've seen in recent videos, he's in decent. He, you know, he's in a decent condition. So and he's. You know, so he has the opportunity. You know, that would be interesting. And plus, you know, we see Bret Hart from from time to time. We see him enough. Bringing back someone, bringing back a legend that we hardly ever see, that would be a good idea. Come on, Tully. Tully, Tessa, Rick, Charlotte, book it. Dudley's versus the New Day. This is another one. This is a, we've had we had three. Champions lose today against opponents that they're not feuding with. Oh, we had on Raw, excuse me. Three champions lose on Raw against opponents they did not feud with, uh, that they're not feuding with. Charlotte's not feuding with Paige. Well, Miz is feuding with Sami Zayn, but he wasn't. But now, because Sami Zayn was with Kevin Owens, but now it's going to be a feud. So I guess you can say too strong. But you also have the Dudleys defeating the New Day. They're not feuding with the New Day. Again, disqualification loss, those are ways, count out, those are ways to book it as if both parties are still strong. You don't just have someone pin someone who's a champion on a roll. Ridiculous. And then you have Big Cass having an opportunity and not but not really having an opportunity because he wasn't even in the match. You had Dean Ambrose come out, destroy the coat, 
That was the end of Raw. That, to me, was very uneventful. That was a really horrible way to end Raw. The, the, the feud is already weird because Ambrose already beat Jericho. And I certainly don't want, you know, a, a, a trifecta again. <laughs> it just, with Jericho and AJ, they fought four times, and it really didn't help either one. AJ would have been just as over if he wouldn't have feuded against Jericho and had those, win, you know, back and forth wins and losses. If he would have been winning the whole time, he might have even been stronger. But Jericho put over Ambrose, but for some reason Ambrose's character is so mired and muddy and damaged. Let me put you over a little more. Absolutely ridiculous. And Cass, what was his role in all of this jacket damaging? I'm going to play a bodyguard and make sure that you don't go away from Dean Ambrose, who stole my shine. He came out. He destroyed Jericho. He took my he took my possibility to become this big, you know, main event guy to beat a six-time world champion. Dean Ambrose took that away from me, but I'm going to help out Dean Ambrose. I'm going to help out Dean Ambrose beat up Chris Jericho, who I had an opportunity to defeat. I'm not happy about Dean Ambrose taking that spot away from me. He took a main event spot away from me, but I'm helping him. Please tell me how creatively lousy and inconsistent that is. Very. If I was Big Cass, I would be upset with Dean Ambrose. I would be looking at him. Dude, what are you doing? I have an opportunity to get a prominent spot, a big old spot here in the company as a singles wrestler, and you took it away from me because you have, you, you're at alt. You have odds with Chris, with Chris Jericho. So instead of taking it out in the back or somewhere else or in another segment, you're going to interrupt my match and do it. Uh, please tell me how that causes camaraderie. It doesn't to me. doesn't make sense to me at all. Very uneventful ending. Flavor of the Week coming up. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. As we spoke about, the Flavor of the Week is going to be ranking the least to best people managed by Teddy Long as we um, are celebrating the presence interviewing presence of Teddy Long. We're going to have our Flavor of the Week about Teddy Long. Before we do that, next week, be sure to join us live. We are having uh, former WWE World Heavyweight Champion Paul London on the show. I'm really, really excited about that. Paul London will be on the show live next week. Please be sure to stay tuned for that. Other opportunities coming up, uh, just just approaching, and I'll certainly let you know about that. I mean, we're booked, and uh, you know, we have interviews for like the next five or six weeks, 
So please be sure Tina join us. Continue to support the Pancakes and Power Slam show. This is the place to be on Tuesday nights. So we should get into the flavor of the week, shall we? Teddy Long, man. I was so happy to have him on the show. I've been wanting him on the show for quite some time now. And uh, it's it was it was to have him. I, I've always respected his work. I've always think that I always I've always thought that Teddy Long was um, just really a uh, example of working hard to get to a prominent spot. That's what I've been doing for years now. I mean, just continuing to pitch to different, you know, big places and big sites and big opportunities and it worked it started off with just the vision and being able to to accept no that's what it started off with and and uh, now I write for two companies that uh, I absolutely adore I actually spoke to the editor of Fox Sports uh, right at the beginning of the show, to, for some ideas coming up to Pike. So that's exciting. So be sure to uh, stay tuned for that. And of course, I got some more Sports Illustrated articles up to Pike as well. Follow Crave Wrestling at Crave Wrestling, Facebook, Crave Wrestling, Twitter at Crave Wrestling. Follow, 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 subscribe. To the Pancakes and Power Slam show on iTunes, ladies and gentlemen. I counted like 30-something, almost 40 interviews that we've had. Um, like the first year, we had like a couple. Um, but after that, just the influx of interviews. And now we're up to many a month. And uh, it's going to continue that way. Because of your support and just your dedication to listen to the show, this became a go-to place for interviews. I've always enjoyed the "Where Are They Now?" segments of everything. And I like I like interviewing people who aren't really aren't affiliated necessarily with WWE or TNA or ROH. Well, ROH is cool, but mainly WWE and TNA. Because with WWE. You want to say something, but you can't. As we saw with Ziggler a few years ago, he was punished for that. Ryback wanted to say something. Obviously, Ryback wanted to say something because he he blogged about it. And I'm sure that that didn't happen. I'm sure that that blog wasn't because of like a week or two of stuff. I'm sure that, that was pent up frustration from years ago, and it showed very well. It showed very much on his blog that he's been holding that. He's been holding that for years. It seems like it's been pent up for for quite some time. So with Ryback, we'll see where he goes, man. Lucha Underground team up with Brian Cage, dominate the whole. Please give me credit for that if that happens. All right, so let's go through the least 
to the best people managed by Teddy Long. Now, you know, he did a hop, skip, and a jump with a few of these, and that's why they're lower on the list. But it really goes by their level of overness, Teddy Long being with them. Now, if he's plugged into if he's if he's plugged into a wrestler who was not over before he managed them, and it's not his fault, and they just aren't over during or after he managed them, they're going to be lower on the list. So here we go. So I wrote seventeen down. Now you know he's wrestled. You know he, he's he's managed like ten man. You know the the ten team Teddy and all that. I'm not going to write those people down. If he was actually a manager for them, that's who I wrote down. Now I might be missing some, but if I'm missing them, they're probably lower on the list because they weren't really known for being managed by Teddy Long. So number seventeen goes to Joey Max. Jumping Joey Max. I was a big jumping Joey Max fan as a kid. And as a yeah, I was I was I was a kid, ten probably, ten eleven. Jumping Joey Max. Unfortunately, Joey Max was, I believe he's passed on now. I think he's passed away. I think he passed away some years ago. But jumping Joey Max, I was a big fan. Unfortunately, with Teddy Long, I mean, he, he didn't really do anything for him. Joey Max was never over. 2006 is when he died. So it's been almost 10 years since he died. October 15th, 2006. He was 50. Oh, 40, 47. He was, yeah, wait. I think he was the 37. Excuse me. He was young. Unfortunately. Yeah, so jumping Joey Mags, nah, he was never over anyways, unfortunately. And, you know, Teddy Long with him didn't do much. Um, It was a good attempt to make him more important, but he was that overly hyper- Baby face that the kids love, and I was one of those kids. Powers is the next one. He was like that too, with the young stallions. And when he went to the WCW, they tried to give him some personality. You know, he's always had the look. He's he's been chiseled from stone when he was in the WWE with the young stallions. With Paul Roma. But yeah, Jim Powers is another one that just unfortunately was never over. Could have been with the Young Stallions. I think that they're a tag team that uh the 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 WWE definitely missed out on. It was only I think it was like eighty seven, eighty nine. They had an opportunity to really push the Young Stallions. But unfortunately they didn't. Missed opportunity there. As Teddy mentioned on the interview, hard work, Bobby Walker is the next one. Number 15. And I I put him in this position only because there was not the result of him being managed 
by Terry Long was not good. However, it had so much opportunity to be good. So like I said, Harvard Barbie Walker had a pretty nice build to him. He had an opportunity to become someone, but he mostly had his, you know, he mostly camped uh, on WCW Saturday night. That was mostly where he camped, unfortunately. And uh, they just, he was just there. He, they didn't really have much to do with them. Hard work, Bobby Walker. Next, Mark Jindrak. Just because it was toward Taylong's latter days of managing, and it, it didn't really make much of an impact. Next, same same with Rosie. He's next, but not much of an impact. Rosie's at number thirteen. Number twelve, Norman the Lunatic. I put him as twelve as opposed to like. 15 or 16 or 17 because when he was in the WCW Norman the Lunatic actually had a decent character Bastion Booker Bastion Booger was absolutely horrible scarily stinky yucky but Norman the Lunatic actually was a decent type of character kind of reminded me of Evad Sullivan that's a name I threw out there for all you wrestling scholars. Evad Sullivan. Norman Lunatic, yeah, decent. Ice Train, I'll put as next. Because Ice Train being managed by Tay Long was probably <laughs> the best thing that happened for Ice Train. Unfortunately, Ice Train was not very important any of his career. Fire and Ice was okay with him and Scott Norton. That could have been something, but it wasn't. Uh it was it was awkward to see Norton as a face anyways. It could have worked, but it was it was awkward to see Norton as a face. He's such a brute muscle bound muscle head, just huge freakish of a stature person, it's really hard to put him as a baby face. As you saw with uh, Vicious and Delicious, his his team, his a team with Bagwell actually wasn't that bad. With Ice Train, eh, not so much. Ice Train had some potential. He was just so stiff. He he really needed to to improve his in ring work substantially. But I had a soft spot for, for Ice Train for some reason. His theme song in WWE was absolutely generically funny as well. YouTube Ice Train's theme song. It was very interesting. Next, I put Bagwell and Scorpio. Um, they, you know, there was some tag team success with Bagwell and Scorpio. And when they managed, when they were managed by Teddy Long, it was it was helpful to send them as a team. So I'll give them that. One Man Gang is next, just because One Man Gang, throughout his entire career, you know, he was an important, you know, just about an, just about throughout the entire of his career, he was just a big name. One Man Gang was a, a big name. He was the man. Great 
great gimmick. Great, great gimmick. And when you call yourself a one-man gang, you've got some... <laughs> you've got a standard to fill there. And he definitely did that. I'll, uh, I'll put... Rodney Mack is eight and D'Lo is seven. We're kind of put them together, but I put D'Lo over Rodney Mack just because D'Lo had a further career, and 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 being with Teddy Long actually helped the both of them. But I've said before, even when I interviewed D'Lo, thugging and bugging enterprises, I didn't have time to talk to Teddy about that. But if you bring him back on the show, I'll definitely talk about that. I'll definitely ask him about that. Thugging and bugging enterprises. Oh, that was just horrible. There were some white boy challenges that I found very funny, though. The one when Goldberg destroyed Rodney back, that that was pretty memorable and pretty funny. Jazz, I'll put in that as well as six. Johnny B. Bad is five. Mark Henry, fourth. Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman as third. Just because... This guy was just a, a relative nobody that would wrestle, you know, and, and come in. He, that code red arm breaker was vicious, though. And he would come out, Marine Corps! The structure of his mouth was uh, very interesting as well. But, well, yeah, when he turned heel, was managed by Tay Long, and um, he really had a... Pretty decent push in the WCW for a little bit. Number two, Skyscrapers. And number one, Doom. I think that's pretty pretty evident. Those two was the best teams that Tay Long managed, and they were very, very well and saw great success by being managed from Teddy Long. Ladies and gentlemen, always a pleasure. Uh, we're having fun here. The Pancakes of Power Slam show. Episode 215 next week. We have Paul London. Follow us at Crave Wrestling on Twitter. Crave Wrestling Facebook page. Subscribe to the iTunes channel, Pancakes and Power Slams. Follow us throughout the week on uh, Facebook, Facebook Live on Monday night after all. Thank you all. Until next week, enjoy your week of wrestling and God bless. Goodbye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.